This episode is brought to you by ProMensal. I mean, working in Africa is like one long hot flush. You know, everyone would be like, gosh, it's hot. I'm like, don't even start on me about how hot it is, mate. Try this, try this all the time. I think what I learned to do was acknowledge that that was happening and just let it flow through me almost. That heat is so intense. Welcome to the final episode of Thriving in Menopause. At tricky times in life, our best support system is often our girlfriends. And what better gal pal to have than comedian Julia Morris? She's funny, she's wise, and in this last episode, she opens up with some really hilarious stories about her own experiences with menopause. I'm Andrea Duval, editor of Prevention Magazine, and I'm chatting on the phone with Julia because she's in two weeks self-isolation in a Sydney hotel room, halfway between what was the Melbourne lockdown and heading off to record the Network 10 series, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Julia. Hi, Hello. How are you going? <laughs> I'm probably going better than you are in quarantine. You going crazy? Well, do you know what? After 31 weeks, or actually 32 weeks in lockdown in my beloved Melbourne, this has actually been the best mumcation I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell two the weeks. girls. <laughs> I'm only, I have not just spent two weeks thinking about myself in a long, long time. My God, it's glorious. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks for joining our podcast. I, I couldn't be more delighted. We're all friends here. So tell me, did you have any symptoms of perimenopause? Oh, my goodness. How I wish I didn't. But I had the full fruit and nut bar and it started at, as I sort of turned 45. What happened? Well, I started to get the overheating. I definitely started to turn up the volume on the fury. And I I think it was a little while before the actual monthly gem kind of started to, you know, turn on and turn off. I ended up going to see the doctor and she was saying, yeah, these are the levels to the blood test. Like, oh, you're on your way in there. Oh. Here we go. And I clearly remember thinking, uh, I'm not really going to talk about this because I don't want it to look like I'm old. That's so, interesting. So you didn't even share yeah, it with your girlfriends. I, I don't quite remember. I know my husband wasn't well at the time, so the focus was really on getting Dan back to health. Dan at the time uh, had just had a mastectomy because he had breast cancer. So all all eyes were on Dan. But I remember the doctor calling me and she's like, okay, this is what's going on. You know, at this time, obviously, there's going to be a lot to focus on dance health, but I don't want you to let your own health fall by the wayside because you need to come up in your vitamin D, you need to, she sort of, you know, was talking about all of those uh, levels of things that need addressing. She including, sounds like a you fantastic know, GP. Oh my God. She's amazing. So tell me, Julia, I just have to ask the question. Hot flushes, have you ever had them in the middle of live television? Oh, yes. I mean, working in Africa is like one long hot flush. And so, you know, everyone would be like, gosh, it's hot. I'm like, don't even start on me about how hot it is, mate. Try this, try this all the time. I am absolutely blessed or fortunate or whatever the good word is that I am not much of a sweater, but the feeling of wanting to rip all your clothing off, I just had to sort of, I think what I learned to do was acknowledge that that was happening and just let it flow through me almost. You know, that heat is so intense. But even now, even though I'm very, 
very much on the other side of it and have been for uh, quite a while. I'm still on with the doona, off with the doona, on with the doona, off with the doona. And then there's that moment when you're like, oh, it's a chilly night. I'm going to snuggle down in my doona. And I wrap myself up like I'm some sort of um, bring roll. <laughs> and then two seconds later, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> get the doona off. Get the doona off. So, uh, it's brutal. Oh, it is. It is. And I reckon that actually being caught on camera in the middle of a hot flush would be one of life's most tricky circumstances. Uh, it's funny because I notice if I have, I'm not really much of a drinker, whereas if I have a drink, and when I say a drink, I mean a drink, on come the hot flushes. I notice it straight away. I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. And there's certain real triggers to that as well, but definitely putting on putting on a coat is one of those triggers. I mean, just standing up can be one of those triggers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, <laughs> it's so hardcore. But it's not so debilitating that you can't get on with things, but it's, it's definitely what inspired me to start seeing a psychologist for sure. So you, you talked openly about having incredible rages and crazy mood swings. Tell me about that. What was going on? I'd be feeling like I wanted to stab people for sure. And I'd get home to Dan and I'd be like, and this, and this, and what about that? And what about this? And, um, you know, Dan's a very kind man, but there's only so much of that jury you can bring back home in the house and talk about it nonstop like you're on a loop and I just sort of worked out I was becoming that kind of negative whingy pest almost not just to Dan but to my friends as well and not really setting a great example for the girls I mean if someone cut in on me in the traffic I, I honestly I'd have to stop myself from following them home and taking a tire iron to their vehicle or to them that's <laughs> oh, how I felt wow. inside the rage was next level and that's the reason why I started to hunt down a psychologist because I went to the doctor because you know I didn't really know much like I, I didn't know when or if you're meant to go on HRT. I didn't know what that even is or what it does. I, I, I don't even think I still do. And everybody has their version of what works for them. So you feel like you're getting 97,000 different bits of advice and information and you don't so really true. know. Well, they all sound like good ideas and the person who's telling you swear by them because it's worked for them. But once I started to, I, I made it, well, I went to my GP, again, my beloved GP, and she's like, um, because I said, am I going nuts? Like, am I am I going mad? What's happening? Do I need tablets? Like, I don't even know what this is. I just know I feel angry all the time. And uh, as you'll know, I've spoken about in the past, you know, I was at the apex of my industry, I, I feel, and mum's two girls and I have a roof over my head and a, a loving husband who knows how to turn on the washing machine and the dryer. Oh, wow. You got, um, you got the whole thing. Well, when I say he unpacks the dishwasher, he also has uh, quite a system with packing it. And I do tend to hear a lot about how to pack it correctly, but that's another story altogether. <laughs> and so I said to the GP, oh, I don't know about a psychologist. Like, yeah, what do you think? She's like, just go along and have a chat. Might be for you, might not be for you. I was like, oh, God, I've got to get along and talk about my feelings. I don't think I can bear it. Isn't that what the stage is for? And I went along. Well, lo and behold, I fell deeply in love. I just happened to luck upon this magnificent woman who really kind of is a, a psychology version of me. I, I felt like I was talking to a girlfriend. I'd be like, what about this? And 
she was very straightforward. She'd be like, yeah, that's shit out. So she also said, okay, well, let's, what we ended up doing was talking about all the situations where I'd lost it uh, since I saw her last because I was interested in where did I go wrong and what could I have done differently. And I kept thinking, I can't believe that just thinking about it in a different way is going to stop that fury rising up out of my stomach and practically into my throat. That didn't make sense to me. I'm like, as if changing your thoughts is going to do that. And slowly but surely, the more I practice the CBT, the Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, the more that I really started to definitely turn down the volume of that fury. It's been like a blessing. Can you give me an example of that sort of thinking that would stop those crazy thoughts? So say something like someone cuts me. So first of all, you can see that they're like they're driving up behind you where they, you feel like if you stop, they're going to go right up the back of your vehicle. That was a, that sort of stuff. This is just a very simple example, right? Then they overtake you dangerously and then they cut in in front of you, which nearly causes you to drive into another car, right? Now, naturally, you're going to feel pretty furious about that. But now I can manage to go, wow, they're in a hurry. So that's the difference in the CBT is instead of getting angry about old free to fun bags that's right up in my junk, now I can sort of go, wow, they're, they're in such a hurry that they're trying to risk their life and mine. All right, off you go, mate. And that's been a really big turnaround for me. I mean, I'm, I'm really making it sound quite simplistic and it took me a long time to be able to do that in the moment. And by recognizing it, by speaking with a psychologist about it, where I'm like, and then this happened. And then because what, what the psychologist was basically saying to me was that I have made up this set of standards in my head that everyone should follow. And when they don't, I get absolutely ropeable. So she's like, you know, not everyone is going to meet those standards. So there's just no point being angry about everyone who's not behaving in the way that you want them to. And so slowly but surely, I'd be like, oh, oh you're that person. All right, off you go. I, I, that's not to say I nail it every time. I don't nail it every single day, but I'll tell you what, I nail it a whole lot more than I used to. Oh, that must be amazing. I think you you probably come home and like yourself a lot more <laughs> for that sort yeah, of behaviour you know too. What? Days are more fun. Yeah. Because you can still keep your judging. <laughs> you can still judge other people. Thank God, because I couldn't lose my judging. I wouldn't know what to do. And <laughs> um, But what you can do is judge them with a sort of a sense of, I don't know, I, I might be describing it wrongly, but a, a sense of self-satisfaction where you're like, ah, I'm not like that anymore. I really see it in people who are saying, how dare they? They shouldn't have done that. And certainly in the cognitive behavioral therapy, there's a list of words that really help you. And those words include shouldn't, that person shouldn't do that. So that's opinion. Is it factual or is it opinion? So oh, that's my opinion. All right, if it was my opinion, then I can surely change my opinion on that. You're, you're allowed to get angry about things, but you just it's silly just to get angry about everything. Let's talk about girlfriends because I have to say that some of the best advice you can get during menopause is by sharing stories with girlfriends. But one thing that I've noticed recently is sometimes there's an element of competitive flushing. Did you, did you ever find that, that sense of, my hot flush was bigger than yours? <laughs> well, I was the first of my gang. So I was uh, like, the you know, um, the mighty forward scout. <laughs> So now that my girlfriends are starting to experience it and go through that, I'm able to help them out by saying there there is another side to it, thank goodness. But to, it's just something that you just got to go through. Once you accept that, there's no easy way. It's all, it's, you know, it's all, it's like mourning. You just got to go through it. There's no fast track to it, or it's going to come back and buy you later. So you just, you just got to that it's happening so I was able to so speaking to my girlfriend speaking to 
older women at the time, they were kind of like, oh, yes. But I didn't really feel like I was getting that much help or advice. It's just that I think we look back on it and gently shudder and hope that the shudder doesn't bring on another hot flush. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you've spoken before about being in your late 40s and, and seeing menopause and 50 on the horizon and feeling that you wanted to kind of hold on to youth. Can you tell me a bit about what happened? Yes, well, I I think that through my 40s, I was definitely trying to keep a hold of, I guess keep a hold of sexiness maybe. I feel like certainly around 45, I, you know, was working out a bit more and trying to wear a bit more more appropriate, as in, not, not, not that I were age-inappropriate clothing, but just a bit more sexy, just to make sure that the world could see there was still some swing in my ding. And then as the time passed on, I'm kind of like, oh, my God, I couldn't care less whether I look sexy or not. Like, I went in with a girlfriend into H&M, which we did on purpose one afternoon. We decided that we would would try on age-inappropriate clothing and take photographs of each other. Oh, my God. We laughed so loudly uh, that I thought we were going to get in trouble from the sweet teenager who was manning the um, change room desk. We had to be quiet. And I laughed so hard at some of the outfits that I accidentally did a tiny wee-wee one of them and had to buy it. <laughs> Julia. Well, that sounds like a, a, a fantastic remedy for for the kind of menopause blues. Yeah, definitely. Well, I even I even coined my own phrase for it because I think anyone who doesn't like the word menopause, I I coined a, a phrase called the crossover. So it's difficult to know when that moment is to cross over. Am I going to be the oldest person in this young group or when am I going to be the youngest person in this older group? And that, I feel, happens that are between maybe 49 and where I am now at 52. I wonder if it's sort of around about now where you're like, oh, I'm becoming an elder. I'm not an elder yet. And in, in lots of communities all around the world, the elders are highly prized for their wisdom and knowledge. So the second that you start to see yourself as an elder... I mean, you can't you can't hold back the years. I can't go back into my wild, absolutely super funny, fun, flirty twenties and thirties. So yeah, I can still have a good time, but I think now that I'm becoming an elder, I'm using more of my wise side than my sexy side. And I think being wise is pretty sexy anyway. Perimenopause can actually start in your forties. Declining estrogen production during perimenopause brings on changes to menstrual cycles and often the onset of hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings and sexual problems. Promensal Peri is specifically designed for perimenopausal women and can help relieve these common menopausal symptoms. Promensal Peri is available at leading pharmacies across Australia and offers a cost-effective treatment at under $1 a day. When things start to change, try Promensal Perry. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. I remember you saying some time ago when we spoke, there's something about the truth serum you take on your 50th birthday that allows you to let the balloon go and become the best version of yourself, which I thought was a beautiful way of putting it. Well, you know, talk about crossover. I think 50 is that moment. 50 years old, when I was a kid, seemed like an old person. And turning 50, I'm like, I can still do a burpee. (laughs) Good for you. I know, see, like, well, you know, we're hanging in there. 50 feels a lot 
younger than it did perhaps when my mum was 50. I might be wrong. Yeah, I think I think 50 is not the end of things. I think it's the start of things. But it's definitely the, um, it's definitely, you know, the curtain is closing on the flirting with younger people. For me, that might not be for everyone, but, you know, there's just, as soon as that neck starts to go a little bit wrinkly, I'm like, oh, we've got to, we got, i got to get a bivy or something. I've got to get a, I've got to get a turtleneck on this, <laughs> on this. <laughs> I reckon we should um, have a talk about some of the positives. Now that you're through menopause, tell me what's great about being on the other side. Are you more comfortable in your own skin, for example? Definitely more comfortable in your own skin. I think that there is something incredibly relaxing in the acceptance that comes with being over 50. And when I mean acceptance, I'm like, okay, well, for years I felt like I could have been smaller or, oh, look at my stomach in that or, oh, my upper thighs look so thick in that skirt or whatever that is. I feel like as if you head into your 50s, what is the point of verbally bashing yourself for this second half of life? If I'm at the halfway point, I mean, who knows? I'm going to live to 100. Might not live till tomorrow, really. But uh, if I'm at the halfway point, I've just spent the last, you know, the last 50 years being kind of mean to myself. So there is something incredibly freeing in going through the, the menopause and coming to the other side, which is, you know what? I'm alive and my body is still working, and I feel I feel pretty amazing. That's incredibly freeing. Talk about let the balloon go. That is absolutely, the balloon is gone. Now what do you do after the balloon goes? Well, now you start enjoying yourself with the next bit with a lot of the pressures of the younger days very much evaporated. And kudos to you for still being able to do burpees. Respect, I have to say. Oh, um, I mean, I can only do one, but it's still a burpee. <laughs> But here's the thing, Julia, because we dwell so much on the things that we can't do now that we could do at 20, like 10 burpees. And on the other hand, we don't celebrate what we can do now that we couldn't do then. Absolutely. Well, also, what's very interesting is how my girls feel about things. Like I've made a very conscious effort through raising two girls to not talk about my thoughts on my own body in front of them. So I've made a real effort not to go, oh, God, look how look how fat I look in that. Or look at, I haven't done any of that running myself down out loud in front of the girls. And they are, well, well, you know, I'm sure their generation is going to have similar self-doubt. Their bodies are not one of them. And I, that's a, I feel a great sense of achievement over that. I've purposely not talked about body. I talk about being healthy. So like, you know, we're all mad for the sugar in our place. Oh my God, I've got I've got a lot of issues with sugar because I've got to have a long and deep love affair with it. And then I'll have times when I'm off the sugar when I'm like, I miss you, dear friend. And um, the, with the kids, you know, I, my, my eldest daughter said to me something recently about the sugar and she used the expression body shaming. And I'm like, hang on, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about how healthy your heart is. Oh, and that's beautiful. Sugar is pretty poisonous. I mean, we love it. Have a look at me. I can't stop eating it. I'm mad for it, right? But we have to be very clear on what it is and that we are making a conscious decision to put that poison in our bodies. So, but I don't really mind what size anybody is. What I care about is, is your heart going to last? 
That's the only thing I care about. What's your heart doing? I don't care about what your hips are doing. So they are getting an understanding of that. Yeah. But they do love to use expressions like body shame where you're like, mate, let me explain exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, look, you know, when you talk about body shame, honestly, at this point, I think you're absolutely right to say to yourself, I've got maybe half left. Do I really want to to bring this kind of self-flagellation with me? Because after all, you cannot suddenly look like a supermodel at 70. So savor every day. Let me tell you, there is for some people, they've got super lucky DNA where they have that flat tummy as they get older, which is highly rare. But for the rest of us, no matter how sort of conscious you feel like you are with your health food and your exercise, the expression middle age red is real. And unlike years gone by where you could change your food intake and up your exercise to turn that around, I mean, you are battling nature to try and turn that around. (laughs) What I now try and focus on, the same thing, just trying to keep that heart of mine healthy. And the rest, I'm just going to dress around it. And let me tell you, the gator style dresses are the secret where there's you know they're a little bit tighter in the midriff and then you've got a lovely full circle skirt and that will forgive you all evils over that tummy (laughs) you just can't hold it in I mean there's only so many sit-ups thank you so much for joining us today and bringing some great humour to our podcast my great pleasure my sweet wonderful to catch up with you again This was the final episode of Thriving in Menopause. It was produced by Lisa Gebelagen. If you've enjoyed this series, please tell your friends and come and subscribe to Prevention Magazine at preventionaus.com.au. That's preventionaus.com.au. Bye for now.